An adult elephant can weigh up to six tons. The average person, 150 pounds. Ever heard of carfentanil? It's a large wild animal tranquilizer. Illegal drug dealers lace heroin with it. It can kill the average human. If you or a loved one is addicted to opiates, even pain pills, don't wait until it's too late. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline now. We care. Many of us have been where you are. We'll take you or a loved one away from the drug environment to a place you can clean out safely. Plus, we'll work with your insurance company to make sure you get the treatment you need. And with a Family Medical Leave Act, you're allowed by law to get away for help without telling your employer why. Call now to save a life. 877-927-3380. 877-927-3380. That's 877-927-3380. The thoughts and opinions expressed in the following program are those of the program's participants and do not necessarily represent those of station staff, management, and advertisers. They were there when history was made. Tour is a storyteller. Welcome to the Sports Tour. And with two out, you talk about a roll of the dice. This is it. Lewis gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! LeBron James at the buzzer! The Sports Tours dusts off the great American art of storytelling. From the players, coaches, media, the people who were there. Smith corks one in the right down the line. It may go. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. It's a home run. Go crazy. Now, here's Stephen Maggi. Welcome to Sports Rockin' Tours, a show that presents the observations, recollections, and memories of a select group of storytellers who represent the past half century or so of American sports. Today's show focuses on a couple of pioneers. Our feature guest was one of the first women to make it on the big stage of television sports. She started as a sports writer at the Boston Globe, then worked at CBS Sports, ABC Sports, ESPN, and then back at CBS Sports. She's covered virtually every major championship in every sport, and you'll meet her in just a few moments. Later in the show, our own Upton Bell talks about the legacy of the recently departed Sam Huff, Huff was there when football took over as America's favorite sport, and nobody represented the game's defensive side of the ball better than he did. We all have dreams when we're kids, and years later we can assess whether we were successful at it or not. Well, Leslie Visser is with us, and you want to talk about successful, get this, 28 Super Bowls, 34 Final Fours, 12 NBA Finals, 7 World Series, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. And Leslie, you always wanted to be a sports writer, which I think is interesting. Could you ever have envisioned that you could have done so much over all this time? Thanks for having me, Steve. Everyone thinks you're terrific, and now it's my turn. But uh, I, I had no notion other than... I was a kid who was passionate about sports. You know, other people are passionate about music or poetry, and I just love sports, and I wanted to cover them. And when I was 10 years old, when I told my mom that 
uh, she asked me, what do you want to be? And I said, I want to be a sports writer. And instead of saying, oh, girls can't do that, you can't do that, she said to me, that's great. Sometimes you have to cross when it says don't walk. And it, it gave me permission. I, uh, it's the title of my book about breaking barriers. But uh, I never had a dream of TV for me was Walter Cronkite, Huntley Brinkley. But I did go to the Boston Globe, which won the best sports section in America every single year. I remember that time because I was just getting in the business and there was out in the Bay Area, there was a, a writer. Her name was Stephanie Salter. And I remember the abuse she had to take and how difficult it was to go into those locker rooms and do those things. I assume you went through all that sort of stuff because there was a, a definite pushback when uh, women started to come into the locker rooms. The Boston Globe made me the first woman to cover the NFL as a beat in 1976. So for my first seven years, there were no provisions for equality, and I stood in parking lots to do all the interviews. You know, it was, I was so grateful to have the job that I never complained. And the Boston Globe, I mean, they sent me, I'd go to Wimbledon. I did Wimbledon with Bud Collins. I did the World Series with Peter Gammons. I did the NBA Finals with Bob Ryan. And the NFL, Will McDonough was, um, I wrote for the Boston Evening Globe, and he was, of course, the legendary morning writer. Matter of fact, I was at the Raiders the day our beloved Will McDonough died, and Al uh, Davis, of course, called me up to his office, and we both just sat there and cried. It was uh, just so enormous to lose somebody of Will's stature. But, uh, yeah, so at first I used to have to stand in the parking lot, and I'd have to make a decision. Okay, let's see. If I try to grab Steve Grogan for a quote, am I going to miss Terry Bradshaw getting on the bus? Because it wasn't, you know, in locker rooms, a lot of people don't even do the work. They just stick the microphone, you know, yeah, sort right. of in the <laughs> middle. But I had to do 100% of the work myself, all the questions, keep the quotes. This was before people even used tape recorders. So it was a great, great learning experience for me. I had to cover games on deadline, so I had to knew, know what I was looking at. In fact, it's, it's ironic, but the best people to me during that time were the black players. And I don't know how far back you go in the NFL, but I used to go over and watch tape with Sugar Bear Hamilton. You'll remember he was oh, the yeah. guy called on uh, Ben Dreif's call on Sugar Bear against Stabler in the 76 wild card. I used to go over to Sugar Bear and Tony McGee, a couple of the players, and they would play film of the defense for me to say, okay, this is the responsibility. Most people play a 3-4, or here's what you do in a 4-3. I really had to learn the game and you know, in some ways, the restrictions on me were to my benefit. Yeah, it, it actually made you better. I, that makes a lot of sense because you had to do some of the work because there were a lot of people that used to just go to the locker rooms and they'd let other people ask questions. And Now, it's great to hear that the players were, were with you there, or at least some of them were. How about the, your fellow uh, writers and broadcasters? Were, were they pretty supportive initially? Oh, yeah. all the Actually, not all the players were, uh, I'll tell you. A couple of stories but yeah the writers were great I think because the globe was such a big muscular talented group I mean everybody they all were in halls of fame um, Sports Illustrated voted the 10 years that I was at the globe not because of me but they got voted the number one sports section in history so everyone was really confident it wasn't it was competitive to be a great writer, be a great reporter, but not necessarily with each other. So I loved working at the Boston Globe, but it was so unusual. Uh, 
you know, they had no ladies' rooms when I started in the NFL because, of course, there weren't other women. So I used to have to sit there, you know, like Patriots would have the ball first and 10 on their own 20, and I'd have to go down the elevator across the field, like, you know, like I was Usain (laughs) Bolt, and then try to get back up. And Chuck Fairbanks, you know, he didn't – I looked like I was from Mars to those people. The first question I ever asked Chuck Fairbanks – about one of his linebackers. I was very nervous. I was 23 years old. And uh, Chuck looked at me, like narrowed his eyes. You know, he was so stoic. If You remember him from either Oklahoma or the Patriots. Yeah. And uh, the first thing he said to me was, why don't you ask my daughter to go to lunch? You're about the same age. <laughs> I think part of it is working with the Globe, like you said, when you did get into television, I remember that. Nobody was questioning, well, well she just got on because she's a pretty face or something. You had the cred to back it up. Yeah, there was nothing that um, CBS put on the air that I hadn't covered. I'd covered 10 U.S. Open tennis covered the Olympics, I'd covered the World Series, I'd done Final Fours. I don't know wherever those numbers are, but now I think I've covered 30. My first Final Four was 1980, so is that almost 40 Final Four? Yeah. My first one was, uh, I just missed Magic and Bird, of course, in 79, and 80 was uh, Denny Crum, who played for UCLA, against UCLA, when Larry Brown was the coach, the Doctors of Dunk for Louisville. So, yeah, there was nothing that CBS put on, but I had no no television experience. The two great executives from CBS were Ted Shaker and Neil Pilsen, and they said they'd had a woman who knew television, the great Phyllis George, but they didn't have someone who knew sports. So this time they wanted a woman who knew sports and they would teach me the TV. Yeah, it's been both have been a great run. Coming up, more with Leslie Visser, the most highly acclaimed female sportscaster of all time. Leslie is a member of six Hall of Fames, including the Pro Football Hall. Have your collectibles taken over your house? Well, maybe it's time for those treasures to find a new home. And I've got just the place to help you do that. The place to go is Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads. 310-534-4180. Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads. 310-534-4180. Four one eight zero. Remember, all of our interviews can be found on Apple iTunes, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to like Sports Racks R-A-C-X on Facebook. You are listening to Sports Rockin' Tours with Stephen Maggi, coast to coast on the Talk Media Network. When you go to Las Vegas, you have to know what you're going to go see. And there's no better place on the web to go than VitalVegas.com. You hear Scott Robin, our Vegas insider, every week. What are people going to find when they go to your site, Scott? Everything you need to know about Las Vegas from shows and restaurants and a lot of inside dirt that you won't hear anywhere else. And a lot of photos, too, and a lot of snark, right? (laughs) That is the case. (laughs) Yes. You can't miss it. VitalVegas.com. What if every dollar you invested into your training program turned into $30 of revenue? What if your learning program was so engaging that your employees looked forward to annual trainings? And what if you could monitor the success and effectiveness of your curriculum with quantifiable metrics? Go to training.epsilonxr.com. 
E-learning has made each of these scenarios possible, utilizing tools such as virtual and augmented reality, simulations, and online instructor-led training provides a safe environment for employees to learn at their own pace. Go to training.epsilonxr.com. Here at Epsilon XR, we have 50 years of experience in creating powerful and effective training programs. We combine proven training methods with cutting-edge technology to create immersive training experiences. Are you ready to take your training program to the next level? Go to training.epsilonxr.com. Training.epsilonxr.com. Wayne Klingman, or you might know him better as Mr. Big, is out handling a dispute, but he did want to say thank you for listening to Vintage Vegas Crime Water every week. He also wants to remind you you can get copies of his books on Amazon. Just simply search Wayne Klingman, that's spelled C-L-I-N-G-M-A-N, again, Wayne Klingman, for the best in Vegas reading materials. What is dedication? The thing that drives me every day as a dad is Darion. We call him uh, Day Day for short. Every day he's hungry for something, whether it's attention, affection, knowledge. And there's this huge responsibility in making sure that when he's no longer under my wing, that he's a good person. I think the advice I would give is you don't need to know all the answers. The craziest thing was believing that your dad knew everything. So as a dad, you felt like you had to know everything. You had to get everything right. It's okay to make mistakes. As long as it's coming from love, then, you know, it kind of starts to work itself out. I want him to be able to sit back one day and go, we worked together, we did a good job. That's dedication. Find out more at fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Do you need to sell your home? If you've sold a home before, you remember how stressful and expensive it was. Sold.com is here to help you sell your home for the most money and with the least amount of stress. There are new ways to sell your home that you've never heard of before. Did you know there are companies who will offer you cash for your home? Did you know you could trade in your home for a new one? Did you know there are realtors who will sell your home for a flat fee instead of an expensive commission? It's true. Sold.com services are free. So if you're looking to sell, make this free phone call right now and learn how your next home sale can be faster and easier than you ever thought possible. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 800-948-6826. Again, that's 800-948-6826. You're listening to Sports Tours. Now, here again is Stephen Maggi. You are listening to a conversation with sportscaster and sports writer Leslie Visser, who is the first woman to win the Emmy Sports Lifetime Achievement Award and the first and only woman to win the Billie Jean King Outstanding Journalist Award. How important was Phyllis George? Because she was actually, you know, the first one out there and there became an acceptance after she did that with the NFL Today. Yeah, no, she was enormous. She was a friend of mine. I first met her in 1976. The Patriots got off to a great start. They beat, like, Oakland, Pittsburgh, Miami, all the gold standard teams then. So she came with the NFL Today to do a story, I think, on Chuck Fairbanks. Uh, Phyllis, for those of us who are writers, 
certainly since I was the first, but the group that came after me, which were just brilliant writers, it was Sally Jenkins, Chris Brennan, uh, Michelle Himmelberg, and all of us, we wanted to be writers. Uh, Phyllis, it was a different aspect. She was great at doing features, great at bringing people out, great making them feel at home, and she was charming, but you know, she wasn't going to diagram a safety blitz for you. And I think the group of writers our interest was really in covering the sports, you know, knowing the difference between Syracuse's 2-3 zone and a box and one. So uh, Phyllis was um, just great to be not just a visible face, but charming and accessible and really a giant in our business. Now, you wrote an article recently for The Globe about four decades of harassment. So is there still issues out there? Is it still a problem? And I mean, things obviously have gotten better. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're much better. Yeah, there were, the reason I, Globe asked me to write that column was because the Washington then Redskins, there were 15 women who claimed that they were not treated appropriately in the workplace, that they'd been asked, some saleswomen had been asked to uh, wear low-cut dresses so they could close sales deals, that just really behavior that is just unacceptable. Um, I just absorbed a lot of it. I had, you know, I got a lot of scar tissue, but I was just so grateful for the job. And most people were great. But of course, there were coaches and stepped over the line on occasion. But I think that there are an amazing number of women in high profile positions in the NFL. I mean, really significant positions. And Roger Goodell has done a great job with that. And you see a lot of women now, uh, a young woman can aspire to anything, you know, she can, she can want to do uh, features, she can want to do radio, she can want to write, she can want to cover a team, she can want to work for a team. So I think it's all open now, which is tremendous. So when you were first in, did you kind of have to look the other way when somebody would do something, you know, something that was kind of offensive is just kind of ignore it and kind of have to do kind of what Jackie Robinson did in the sense of, you know, no matter how much you want to fight back, you just can't. Well, yeah, it was a different time. It's not really my nature. I'm kind of, uh, my family moved quite a bit when I was young, so I'm used to sort of fitting in, getting along. I would try to use humor as my default mechanism. You know, a player would, you know, I'm still to this day, everybody gets the yo baby, yo baby thing. And I would just say, you know, your mother did not teach you to talk like that. (laughs) (laughs) And when I went to television, the great Brett Musburger, uh, he was, they were really kind to me when I went to TV. I, I drove many, many times cross-country with John Madden on his bus, and, you know, John would put up the Redskins counter tray, and I would have to know exactly what he was doing, and, you know, and John would play it over and over and over before we stopped for Mexican food. I, I would have to say, um, once I got to television, it was very, very comfortable. You know, the pressure of TV is enormous, but the environment was comfortable. You know, you mentioned John Madden, and I got to know him just at the end of his Raider coaching career. And, of course, when he got into the broadcasting side, and then who knew he was going to become a, a, a video game magnet as well. But great guy. Was he helpful in terms of, he loved to always explain the game. So if you had a question, was he one of these type that will sit down with you and really try to explain it to the greatest detail? 100, yep, 100%. He was, he was magnificent to know. And it was such a privilege. People would say to me, well, you know, why are you, why aren't you flying to the 49er game? I'd say, because, you know, I have a chance to uh, be on that bus and learn things. And just everything about him was an observation. You know, he would, uh, 
he would look out the window on I-10 or wherever, you know, if we were coming from the Cowboys up north, and he would just look out the window and he'd say things like, dark chocolate. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can hear it, right? Yeah. I, I don't get it. it. It's like they got halfway to milk and quit. <laughs> yeah, it's great stuff. You know, he used to always talk to me about this restaurant in Turlock. He goes, you know, if you like great lamb, you got to stop. There's there's a little restaurant in uh, Turlock, Basque food, really good. It's like, and he would talk like about that. it for 15 minutes. Just a wonderful guy. Well, the way, you know, one of his favorites near El Paso, was it near El Paso? But then, remember, he had the turducken, and that was just because somebody had heard him about food and why couldn't they put you know a duck inside a turkey or and then it turned out they did do that and it was disgusting i did all those thanksgiving i had all my thanksgivings on the madden cruiser and this thing was really disgusting and you know you put your hands in there and it was such like an offensive lineman's meal but uh yeah dumb was just a it was a privilege to know him well, you went through kind of the the evolving of uh, sports broadcasting because back when when you first came in and so forth, then guys like Madden got in there. He really changed the way like like color analysis went, right? I mean, all of a sudden there was personality, but you didn't lose anything in terms of knowledge. Well, there's a reason no one can imitate him. I mean, really, he's sui generis. If they had a uh, you know Mount Rushmore, he'd be up there with you know Vin Scully, Costas, I think Jim Nance. I think he just made it so relevant and he broke it down so you could understand it. And then you're right. And then he'd also throw in, remember the time he telestrated, he said a candy bar wrapper fell out of Nate Newton's uniform (laughs) and he telestrated it. So he was everything, you know, he was witty and quick and brilliant football, brilliant mind. I don't think there were many like him, but Al McGuire was great. I got to work with him a little bit on the NCAA tournament and, all those guys that are singular uh, have just something that cannot be imitated. Was anybody a particular mentor to you when you got into the broadcast side? I mean, you said the network worked with you to get you great on camera, but was there anybody that just kind of worked with you over time and there was somebody you could always make a call to if you had a question? No, by the time you get to the network, you're supposed to know it, which my circumstances were just unusual. Uh, no, it was... Um, you know, I, I look like I had rigor mortis in the beginning, so I'm I'm sure Ted Shaker and Neil Pilson were, like, horrified the first few times. But what I did was I made a pact with myself and with CBS later on Monday Night Football. I went to ABC when CBS lost uh, the NFC to Fox, and I made a deal that I wouldn't have anybody ever write for me. I mean, I'm in the Sports Writers Hall of Fame, so and I'd written on Deadline for a decade, So I said that everything that comes out of my mouth, I will feel comfortable saying. That if I have an opinion about the Green Bay linebackers, then it's my opinion, not what someone else has written for me. So I think that greatly helped me that I just, I said what I thought, what I thought I knew. I would check it. You know, I've been a pretty responsible reporter. Sure, I had the facts right. But I think that's what helped me. It's definitely the writer's background helped me. In a moment, more with Leslie Visser, who was the first woman on the NBA Finals, the World Series, the Final Four, and the first woman assigned to a Super Bowl sideline, all for CBS. You're listening to Sports Rockin' Tours with Stephen Manchie, nationwide on the Talk Media Network.
And now, another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. When the setting of a film becomes a character itself, a dimension is added that can become critical to the film. Lars and the Real Girl is the story of a troubled man who falls in love with an anatomically correct, life-size doll. In less discriminating hands, this film could have been tawdry, but here it takes its place among the indie classics. Ryan Gosling plays Lars, a troubled young man who retreats more and more into himself, shunning any human contact. Innately, we know that when love enters his life, it is part of a healing journey, no matter that his love is a mail-order latex doll. Upon its arrival, he immediately begins to open up with a shy smile. At first, everyone else is disturbed, but this is where the town comes in. Surely this tale is an unbelievable conception, but not in this town. Quoting the film, this is a town where when tragedy strikes, they come over and sit. Just sit. They are there for each other, creating a cocoon where one can take the time needed to work through problems, surrounded by acceptance, warmth, and humor. Lars and the Real Girl is an unbelievable premise that works so surprisingly well. You'll wish that you lived here. Independent film, where the real stories are told. You can find us on the web at www.indiefilmminute.com. Know someone with a drinking or drug problem? Learn how to get sober after we share these stories. I was 35 with two beautiful children when my life and addiction started to spiral out of control. After my divorce, I went into a depression cycle and started drinking more often and using prescription drugs. After my second DWI and arrest, my ex-husband threatened to take our children away from me. I was 17 when I became addicted to heroin and meth. I thought I could quit on my own, but I couldn't. It hit me when I was arrested. Get sober now. Your private insurance may cover costs and we'll get you here. It's simple. Just call Elite Rehab Placement right now. Please, don't wait. Your life matters to us. 800-213-9264 Call right now before it's too late 800-213-9264 When you go to Las Vegas you have to know what you're going to go see and there's no better place on the web to go than VitalVegas.com You hear Scott Robin, our Vegas insider every week What are people going to find when they go to your site, Scott? Everything you need to know about Las Vegas from shows and restaurants and a lot of inside dirt that you won't hear anywhere else. And a lot of photos too and a lot of snark, right? That is the case. (laughs) Yes. You can't miss it. VitalVegas.com. Do you own an annuity, either fixed rate, indexed or variable? Are you paying high fees and getting low returns? If so, Annuity General would like you to have this free book to learn the pitfalls and mistakes of buying an annuity. The Annuity Do's and Don'ts for Baby Boomers contains the little-known truths about annuities, like how to help reduce your fees and increase retirement income. And it's free. That's right, free. As a bonus, we'll also throw in a free annuity rate report just for calling. We researched over 1,000 annuities and summarized rates and benefits from financially strong insurers. You get Annuity Do's and Don'ts for Baby Boomers and the Annuity Rate Report, both absolutely free for calling Annuity General today. Hurry, supplies are limited. Call now. 800 653 8302. 800 653 8302. 800 
Welcome back to Sports Rockin' Tours. Here again is Stephen Maggi. Welcome back to Sports Rockin' Tours. You are listening to Leslie Visser, the first woman on the NFL 100 all-time greatest TV and radio voices. She was listed at number 17 and was voted the number one female sportscaster of all time. Was there a challenge kind of to go from you're a great writer, and then all of a sudden now you've got to write for broadcast, which is a different type of writing. Did did that initially, did you have to like think about it before you started writing for when you were going to read something? I would read it off my mind because most of my career has been live. So I got pretty quickly that you had to reduce a lot of what someone said to do the report, you know, or ask the question. Uh, no, I got that, and that came from writing on deadline. What I what I did have to learn was the technology. Like, uh, you know, we all learn growing up that when else speaks, you stop speaking. So I'd be interviewing Martina Navratilova, and the producer would speak in my ear, and I would just stop. Oh, yeah. yeah that takes getting <laughs> so, used to, huh? I mean, that really yeah. – people have no idea how hard that is. Well, it's, yeah, it's definitely a skill. And so then the producer would be screaming, you know, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I, I'm sure I looked like my eyes were pinwheels, you know, on television because I, I had to, yes, you have to learn to speak while someone's speaking to you. So I had to learn some of that, you know, the technology of it. But the reporting wasn't difficult or finding uh, the words weren't difficult for me. Knowing what to wear was difficult. I don't know if you remember, maybe some of your listeners, I had a really bad hat phase, really bad. <laughs> so I remember a game, a playoff game in, uh, I think it was Giants-Bears or yeah, one of Giants in the mid-80s. And uh, the producer came screaming out of the truck. Now, you know how cold it is at Soldier Field. Like, it's no degrees. So I had this beautiful blue hat on. And the producer came screaming out of the truck and said, take that hat off. It looks like a satellite dish. Well, working on the field is particularly tough in the wintertime. I mean, my one experience was that was way back when the Raiders were playing at Cleveland. And I, I didn't grow up in the in the Midwest or the East. So when you hear about something like a wind chill factor of minus 10 or minus 15, I had no idea and I wasn't prepared for it. Nasty. So I, I that had to be a challenge just to try to stay warm. Oh, yeah, and they all say, you know, on Monday Night Football, Al and Dan, Frank Gifford, they're up there in the booth warm. And, you know, let's go down to Leslie Visser. Oh, you can't be that cold. Well, yes, I can be that cold here in Lambeau. Uh, I remember once uh, with Madden and Summerall that um, I, I tried buying these D batteries to put in the back of my socks because particularly if you're the reporter, it's, it's changed now. They have an area for the on-field reporters. And the women now are great. Michelle Tafoya, Erin Andrews, we have Tracy Wilson, um, Pam Oliver. They're great. This was uh, really didn't make any accommodations for the field reporters when I started. And um, I bought these batteries at like a hunting uh, store in Green Bay to where you, where you put them in your socks. They're like heated battery operated socks. And of course, you're, you're out on the field three hours before the game. So by the time the end of the first quarter, the batteries were dead. And I think <laughs> on the air, that, that is the most thing I've ever seen. I'm clumping around with these dead batteries you know, hanging out <laughs> yeah. the back. Also, it takes a lot of guts. Are there times when you got to go to somebody at halftime, a coach. Now, they know you're coming. They know it's part of their job. But it's tough when you've had a bad half and you've got to go over there and ask them a question and put that microphone in their face. Are, are you always kind of like, well, how can I ask a question that's 
not so obvious that I'm going to get them to scream, but yet address the issue at hand. Yeah, it's a little bit of a dance. They know it's coming. I mean, what I started doing was actually, and I, I, I see this a lot now, uh, I started going to the coach off camera and putting it into, I called it, you're making a Picasso out of a matchstick because (laughs) they want to get to the locker room. They're like, we have to put pressure, you know, on the quarterback. Yeah. Okay. But I remember one game, maybe it was a Patriot Detroit game. And uh, so Belichick, he's coming off the field and, you know, I asked him the question. And so, you know, I've known him so long now, you know what I I did, Steve, I cross-eyed in of my asking the question. (laughs) <laughs> so he had to laugh. I mean, it was like, I know it, you know it. Yeah, I just looked cross at Well, that's but, a great uh, idea. <laughs> yeah, it was a great idea. Yeah, it was, I mean, he, yeah, he laughed. But, uh, you know, most of those coaches, it's a chance for the audience to see them. And once in a while, they'll say something great. But I think mostly they're, you know, you can almost fill in the blank of what they're going to say. And that's what I think makes your job so difficult because you don't want to get that, but they're so conditioned to give the, uh, yeah, we just have to play a little bit harder, play our game and all that kind of thing. And that's why I think that's a great idea. So are you constantly thinking in your head too? I mean, that's the hard part about doing live work. We were talking before about writing in your head. You want to come up with something clever. And if you can catch them off guard, sometimes that's when you get the good stuff, I would imagine. Yeah, and you can't ask questions. So you have to say, what was the difference? Not, were you happy with the first half? What What was your offensive line doing to create the openings for the running back? Or you, you, it, the more specific that you can ask the question, if it works, it'll lead to a more specific answer, which is what you're going for. So, yeah, you have to you're constantly revising up until the second you speak to the whoever it is in any sport. You're constantly revising what you're going to ask to try to elicit the best answer. You know, you see the ones, the ones that you think are good are good. Would you have any favorites? I mean, you've you've covered everything. I, the only thing, I, have you ever covered hockey? That was the only thing I didn't see on this huge list of of great events that you've covered. I mean, is there anything I've missed? Uh, yes, I did, uh, a, you know, a fair amount of hockey because the Bruins are so big in Boston, but I was really an NBA, NFL, baseball guy, mm-hmm. college basketball. I was actually Rick Pitino's beat writer when I was the 21-year-old writer at the Globe, and he was the 22-year-old coach at Boston University. All seven of Rick Pitino's <laughs> Final Fours. I'm great, great friends with him. So... I feel like in every sport, I mean, I guess a lot of people, if they know me, it's more for the NFL. But um, Billie Jean King was one of my idols, and I've become great friends with her. And then I have a lot of college basketball friends. So it's sort of uh, I've, I've been blessed to actually not just hit and run, but really be in a sport for a long time. Well, you know, did you have anybody, like I remember covering the Raiders, and if you wanted to find out the real inside information, you could always go to Art Shell, who was very quiet, but very smart, and always had a feel for it. Did you have people like on these Boston teams that you knew, you know, I want to get a a different feel than whatever, you know, the PR people are talking about. Let me go ask so-and-so. Did you have anybody like that? My first assignment for CBS was the, the iconic, the 1984 Celtics Lakers. So I actually... Um, I knew I knew Pat Riley, you know, I knew uh, and, and, and I was married then to Dick Stockton, the great announcer. So, you know, Dick was a great sounding board and um, I got to do NBA with him. Not that much, not that much 
NFL. I would have, it seems I would have different games than he had. And uh, then he went to Fox. So he was the host of the Villanova Georgetown, the 85 Final Four, which I covered for the Boston Globe. So we had college basketball. Uh, We had that in common. I still have an awful lot of players and coaches' numbers, which you need. You know, I'm sure you do too, Steve. Like, who are people that you feel that you can go to if you need something? Well, Upton Bell, who's a friend of both of ours, for example, because he knows everybody and everything. So, you know, a guy whose father was the NFL commissioner, it's great to have contacts like that. Yeah, and by the way, Upton Bell helped create my job. He was always a visionary. He was always generous with his time. Um, Upton, as you said, Upton knew everybody. Everybody loved him. And he would tell those hilarious stories. He was, he was, he has been a treasure for me to know. He's beloved, not just in Philly with his family, but in Boston, he's just considered a, a, a treasure. But I think that um, once you get those people's numbers, that they have to trust that you've never betrayed them, which uh, I've never given a, a player's number, and I've had you know quite a few of them. I think that, that really helps in any walk of life, no matter what you're doing. More in a moment with Leslie Visser, who is a member of both the Sports Broadcasting Hall of Fame and the Sports Writers Hall of Fame. Have you been Portnoy yet? Well, you should be. What does that actually mean, Neil Portnoy? You send me a photograph. And I do a realistic cartoon caricature. How do we get information we want to get Portnoy? On social media, Facebook, Portnoy Gallery, idroppeople.com, and probably about six other places that, at my age, memory is the second thing that goes. You're listening to Sports Rockin' Tours with Stephen Manchie, coast to coast on the Talk Media Network. Okay, Sean, we need to talk about our training budget. We're spending almost $1,500 per employee each year. What's the plan? Well, ma'am, 42% of companies are saying that e-learning has led to an increase in revenue. What does that do about the travel expense? E-learning allows employees to learn wherever they are. Then we need to consider the time away from production. I heard that e-learning takes up to 60% less employee time than traditional classroom training. Perfect. Let's find a curriculum company, a development company, a learning management software company. Actually, Epsilon XR specializes in end-to-end learning solutions with tools such as instructor-led training, online classrooms, simulations, virtual and augmented reality, and curriculum development. Get Epsilon XR on the phone. Epsilon XR creates immersive learning environments that engage with your learner, resulting in improved information retention, which leads to better performance and ultimately an increase in revenue. Learn more at elearning.epsilonxr.com. If you're a diabetic, we have great news. You can end the painful finger sticks with a new CGM. Plus, they may be covered by Medicare, Medicaid, or private insurance. If you test and inject daily, you may qualify. Call U.S. Med now to learn more. 800-437-1424. 800-437-1424. That's 800-437-1424. Holy gentle giants, dog food, Batman. I'm Burt Ward, Robin from the Batman TV series. I was the caped crusader, and now I'm the canine crusader. After rescuing and feeding 15,500 dogs for 23 years, my wife and I created a natural, low-fat, heart-healthy, made-in-America dog food and special feeding and care program designed to help all dogs live amazingly longer, healthier, happier lives. Our dogs are living as long as 27 healthy, active years. 
Yours can too. That's twice their normal lifespan and triple for some breeds. Would you like your dog to live as long as 27 years and still be active and healthy? Gentle Giants Dog Food is complete nutrition for all dogs and puppies, all ages and sizes, and is different from other dog foods without the greasy coating and high fat content that can shorten your dog's life. Try our Gentle Giants life-enhancing dog food for the longer, healthier, happier life of your dog. Now you can get generic Viagra shipped to your door for about $2 a pill. Get the same impact for less. Call Steel Man Pills now and get the same blue pill for about $2 a pill. Call now for the 50-pill special and save even more. Plus, get a free bonus. 800-979-4317. 800-979-4317. That's 800-979-4317. This is Sports Tours on Talk Media Network. Now, here again, Stephen Maggi. Welcome back to Sports Tours. You are listening to Leslie Visser, who was named one of the 100 luminaries in the history of CBS. What about, you know, people always wonder, like, do you find out some stuff that you don't write about? And did you have that where some people would tell you something in confidence and you have to say, like, well, it would make a great story, but I can't do it? Oh, yeah. Once I was interviewing Lawrence Taylor, who was my favorite player in the history of the NFL. I just loved um, I loved watching him. I loved knowing him. I loved I loved the Bill Parcells, you know, who was so, so <laughs> yeah. tough and so great. And Bill Parcells would say, bus leaves at 10 unless LT is a few minutes late. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I loved LT. And one time we sat down and, you know, LT had a, so many off the field issues. And I said, I said, LT, what, you know, what is wrong with you? And he said, Leslie, you know what's wrong with me. My drug dealer lives five minutes away and takes American Express. And, you know, it was, it was funny. It was sad. It was pathetic. And I said, LT, I'm actually not going to use that. I'm not. I'm not. So well, I didn't. Well, sometimes, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because I'm thinking of like John Matuzak was was sort of that way where he could be a great guy and he'd become like your friend. And then consequently, you know, there was just that part of self-destruction they couldn't get away from it. And you feel terrible, but there's nothing you can do to, to help him. Yeah. And it wasn't, you know, I've known a lot of guys. I knew Brett very well, Brett Favre through his challenges. And when I first started covering the NFL, it was a lot of those um you know, it was greenies and uppers and downers and protein powder. And I mean, it's, it's such a difficult sport, the NFL. And all sports are, are really difficult, though. I mean, the NBA is just, uh, it just crushes the human body by the end of the season. You know, I, I think people make decisions about their lives. And uh, sometimes the consequences are maybe more than they imagined. Well, it's people like you that allowed me to tell my daughter when she went to college, you know, you know, what can I be, Daddy? You can be anything you want. And what a wonderful thing that is. And it, it's, it's, it's about time. I want to ask you one last thing, and that's about the TV show you put together, We Need to Talk. That was really cool. And that's something that it's different than other sports talk shows. Was that the idea, you know, not just from the female perspective, but, but I, I was, it had a different feel to me. Oh, thank you for asking about it. And that credit goes to 
actually for men um, in the inception. It was our great chairman at CBS, Sean McManus, a guy, Tyler Hale. We had, we had three or four men who said, uh, Harold Bryant, these were people who had to, you know, donate, devote the money to it, the budget to it, find a space for it. And then we, we wanted it to be, it's the only network show that is produced by women. It's produced by Suzanne Smith and Emily Deutsch. Suzanne Smith is the director. Another person you should have on, she is the only woman to direct NFL games. Only woman. Guys are sitting at home, and the reason they're seeing that shot of Deshaun Lamar, you know, the reason you're seeing it is because Suzanne Smith is in the truck saying, ready three, take six. So, right. Um, <laughs> the two producers on the show, Julie Carrick and Amy Samuelson, and then all the people on the show, the hosts, they're, they're all superstars. I mean, it's Layla Ali and Swin Cash and Lisa Leslie and uh, Summer Sanders and Amy Trask. So everyone, Tracy Wilson. So everyone is really special and we talk ball. Well, that's what I like that's about I mean. it. Yeah. I mean, that's the part. If you think it's going to be a girl show, pardon me, uh, it's not. It, it's it's good, hardcore sports. And, it, it, you know, it's if it's from a different perspective, it's organically from a different perspective. It's not like you guys are trying to put this spin on it. And I think that's what makes it so entertaining. Yeah. Uh, I remember I had a, a funny time with Lisa Leslie. Well, I mean, what, she won four Olympic gold medals. She's such a star. And she and I were traveling to Indiana uh, for an assignment we both had together. And somebody in the airport yelled out, hey, Leslie. And I turned around and the guy looked at me like, what are you looking at? Of course, he was talking about Lisa Leslie. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a privilege to work on that show. Well, Leslie, it's been a privilege to have you on. We want to have you on again. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Steve. It was a pleasure. Earlier this month, Sam Huff, the hard-hitting Hall of Fame linebacker who helped the New York Giants reach six NFL title games in the 1950s and 60s, died at the age of 87. Our own Upton Bell, son of NFL Commissioner Burt Bell and longtime NFL executive and sports journalist, remembers Huff. Well, uh, Sam Huff was really basically the guy that popularized uh, the defensive play in the NFL, and particularly the linebacker. And there were so many great linebackers. I mean, going all the way back into the early 50s, you had Bill George with, with the Chicago Bears. Uh, you had Joe Schmidt, one of the greats. You had probably the best middle linebacker I saw uh, of the first 50 years, and that was Concrete Charlie Chuck Bidnerick, uh, who in the end played both ways in the championship game. And that'll never happen again. But it was Sam Huff being in New York, the, the New York Giants had won like seven years in a row, at least got to a championship game, something like that. Uh, I remember uh, sitting at home one day and my father getting a call from CBS in New York and saying, I know it's usual to always introduce the offense uh, because of the star quarterbacks and the game they wanted to popularize that. They said, but we're going to introduce on both radio and television when the games are on. We're going to introduce the giant defense. They have become so big and so popular. And the focal point was Sam Huff. And uh, it even got to a point of where the defense was so big in New York that Jimmy Patton, their defensive safety, was on a, a big billboard and uh, in New York uh, puffing on uh, camel cigarettes. And, I mean, you never saw that before. A pro football player to be able to get 
in the, in the, in the biggest and most popular city really in the world. And here he is, you know, overlooking Broadway with this big billboard. So they've become so popular and so big. And in the case of, of Huff, he was good looking. He was articulate. He was a terrific athlete. And he had in front of him people who were funneling then, and which changed the game, funneling the play towards Huff. Basically, you had Andy Robustelli, Football Hall of Fame. You had uh, Jimmy Patton as a back to You had Emlyn Tunnell, who later went and finished his career with the Packers. But that defensive line was re- really something. Rosie Brown, Andy Robustelli. Uh, then, then they had uh, uh, other people that really could rush the passer. But basically, everything was followed to Huff. So Huff became the focal point. Uh, and then he's on the front of Time magazine. Sam Huff from Nitro, West Virginia. Who is he? For a football player, I don't think it. I don't think a football player had ever been on the front of Time magazine. Period. Until Huff. That whole violent world of Sam Huff thing was a big deal because while they were examining the violence of football, actually at that time it was actually public relations. People loved it. Well, it's still out there today on YouTube, and I remember. Uh, because that wasn't until the early 60s that they did that. I think it was 1962. And Walter Cronkite, the god of television, when there were gods of TV, and there were only three major networks, introduced uh, that thing on CBS. And uh, I mean immediately, the ratings overnight for, for something like that. I mean, it just it was an, it was an amazing time. And he, he was the person that really popularized it. And, you know, he was a very nice guy. I got to know him. Uh, afterwards, when he was working for Marriott. And you couldn't find a nicer guy. A lot of people don't remember this or probably never heard of it. One of the best radio teams for then, the Washington Redskins, mm-hmm. was Sonny Jerkinson and Sam Huff. Wow. Uh, Jerkinson doing the play-by-play Hall of Famer with Huff. I mean, you couldn't get a word in edgewise. <laughs> but again, you're, you're going back to a day and a time when pro football needed to take a look and have the country see this great defense and led by Sam Huff. And to get it popularized like that and have him on the front of Time magazine, all of this my father encouraged because it was building a game that was second to baseball until that yep. fateful Sunday in 1958 where you had the first sudden-death championship game, the best offense in football against the best defense. Amazing time. Thank you, Sam Huff, wherever you are. You were a sweetheart of a guy. You were a mean bastard on the field. <laughs> uh, you had great duels with Jim Brown. And, of course, uh, nobody will forget the 1962 televised championship game in New York uh, with the wind up like 40, 50 miles an hour, freezing day, and it's the Packers and the Giants. And Sam Huff, I mean, today, what he and, and players did then, today they'd be thrown out of the game. Then it was rough and tumble. Uh, you know, Taylor would get like a six or seven yard game and Sam Huff would come in and pile on the guy. And today they'd be throwing the flag every 15 minutes. So my salute to the immortal Sam Huff. Thank you, Sam. Thanks, Upton. And don't forget to follow us on all social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And thanks for listening. This is Stephen Manji.
The old way of living with diabetes is a pain. You've got to remember to do your testing and always need to stick your fingers to test your blood sugar. The new way to live your life with diabetes is with a continuous glucose monitor. Apply a discrete sensor on your body and it continuously monitors your glucose levels, helping you spend more time in range and freeing you from painful finger sticks. If you are living with type 1 or type 2 diabetes and you administer insulin three or more times per day or use an insulin pump, you might be eligible for a CGM through your insurance benefits. U.S. Med partners with over 500 private insurance companies and Medicare. We offer free shipping, 90-day supplies, and we bill your insurance. Call us today for a free benefits check. 800-437-1424. 800-437-1424. That's 800-437-1424. Want to be a movie producer? Faith Wins is an exciting new screenplay. It's a rags to riches, back to rags, back to riches, onward to redemption story. Written by longtime comedy greats Rich Natoli and John Pate, Faith Wins is the feel-good story of the year, with proceeds of the film to benefit homeless people and homeless animals in Las Vegas. But we need your help to get the movie made. Go to GoFundMe.com and type in Faith Wins in the search box. GoFundMe.com and type Faith Wins in the search box. Homelessness is a big, big problem in the U.S. Let's put the spotlight where it belongs and make a real difference together. Go to GoFundMe.com and type Faith Wins in the search box. We can do this because Faith Wins. You are cheap. No, I'm not. You are cheap. No, I'm not. You are cheap. No, I'm not. You are cheap. Well, maybe I am. If you're buying a diamond ring for your wife, it's not cool to be cheap. If you're buying airline tickets, it's very cool to be cheap and called Trip Amigo, where you can fly anywhere in the world and save up to 75% on over 500 airlines and 300,000 hotels, plus rental cars and vacation packages. Visit family, friends, or go on a -a once-in-a-lifetime vacation. Go ahead, be cheap. We have special fares we're not allowed to publish. When you book your airline reservations with Trip Amigo, you'll spend your travel money when you get there, not by getting there. Call Trip Amigo now and mention the travel code Amigo and save even more. Call Trip Amigo now. 701-581-9605. 701-581-9605. That's 701-581-9605. KSHP shows are now available on all of the major podcasting platforms like iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcast, Radiohead, and more. Simply search for KSHP on any of the major platforms and you can listen to past episodes of all your favorite KSHP programs, including Sports Rock and Tours.